very close to home. A certain ruling elite decided that the pack of people they had to keep in line in order to exploit them was very large and very scary. They tossed and turned in their beds for fear they would one day band together and drag out Big Daddy Guillotine and turn their heads into volleyballs. So the elites decided that they had to divide up the people into smaller groups and get them to fight each other. The most successful version of this was dividing man from woman. Check out last week's episode. But another absurdly nefarious fissure they caused in the fabric of society was to say that certain people were inferior to others, based on how much melanin they had in their skin. Welcome to the equally idiotic and sinister world of racism. If copyright law would permit, the theme song of this episode would be Dirty White Boy by Foreigner. It's me, White Boy Niall, and joining me today is White Girl Christina, and this is the Free Speech Podcast. How goes it, Christina? It goes it well. Would you say that uh, Sweden has a problem with racism? Uh, I mean, not more or less than uh, any other country. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course Sweden has a problem with racism. Yep, Um, it probably has less of a problem than most countries, but... Well, it's... uh, it's a bit more complicated because I think there is more discourse about it here than a lot of other countries, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there is less racism, just that if it's, uh, I mean, by most people it's very much not accepted, but there are still a lot of racists around. So at least there's a discourse if that's, you know, the least you could ask for. Has there been a, a particularly famous or well-known instance of racism in your country that, say, made the news or, or wormed its way into popular culture? Well, yeah, the Sweden Democrats, just all oh, around. Oh, yes, you've mentioned this before. Is there any particular instance that uh, they said something that was uh, particularly oh. controversial? Oh, there is a lot of examples. I mean, uh, people have found old pictures of uh, members of this group wearing you know, swastikas on their arm, proudly. What, like the British royal family? Uh, What, do they wear swastikas? Yeah, they have pictures of themselves, like, dressed as the Nazis at one time that popped up. Oh, okay, but this was clearly not not a dress-up or anything, just like, you know, sporting a swastika. And a few years back, a random member of this group attacked uh, a foreign person with, with like, a a metal pipe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. For no good reason. And oh, there are so many other examples. Uh, just um, too many to count, really. I don't really know about uh, that sort of thing here where I live. There's a discussion I want to have later, but I'll introduce it now. Is What is a racial conflict versus an ethnic conflict? I, you know, I could say I've been the victim of sectarianism. I've been called slurs and stuff by the Protestant Unionist side against the Catholic uh, 
Irish side, that's definitely an ethnic thing, but is it a racial thing? And well, I don't entirely know. I can't, and I'm not going to answer this question satisfactorily, but I'm going to pose the question in detail later. But all I'm trying to say is I don't have any direct, I suppose, unambiguous experience of racism. And I live in an incredibly white country. It's, I don't know anybody that has experienced racism from my country. Look, I've got lots of international friends who I've, who I know that experience in their country, but none in mine because we are so homogenous. So it's like, I'm fairly well read on this topic, but I don't understand the experience of it because I've never been involved in it or had any of my friends involved in it. Yeah. And of course, I mean, I don't think you could ever truly understand the experience unless you are personally the victim of, of this experience. But I, I mean, I, um, Sweden is more um, uh, multicultural in many ways. So I, I have seen and known people who have experienced it firsthand and I have, you know, and that we experience it secondhand, but none mm-hmm. of us can really claim to understand it fully because... When I was racking my brain trying to find one from Northern Ireland, the closest I can find is that there's a, and I don't know why, I really am puzzled as to the origin of this. People in Belfast seem to really dislike the very, very, very tiny Bulgarian community in Belfast and are often like, you know, graffitiing their houses or breaking their windows or causing them trouble in some way for some reason. But it's like, that kind of sounds racist, racist because... They've just decided these foreigners don't like them. But then again, Bulgarians are white. So then again, it's like, is this an ethnic issue or a racial issue? And this is something I keep hitting up. Every example I look at when it comes to white countries against other white people, it seems to veer on one side or the other. You know, for example, they don't like them because they're Bulgarian, while for example, it's different than not liking someone because they've got dark skin. Yeah. Like, think of how many countries you can be from with dark skin, for example. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really... I don't think you can, like, really um, decide that that's one rule that defines it set in stone. Mm-hmm. They are interlapping in a lot of ways, of course. Uh, I think... I think it's easier to say that there are cases of, you know, pure racism where you uh-huh. have two people, you know, born in the same country, two sweets, but they have different skin colors. Then that's clearly a case of racism because they they are from the very same culture. Everything is just the, the only difference is uh, how they look. So that's clearly racism. But of course, uh, like ethnic... Um, Troubles and racism overlap a lot. Like, can mm. you really have an ethnic com- conflict in that way without racism? Now that's seated in your head, we're going to try our best to uh, define racism. And of course, we are going to turn to you, Christina. What <laughs> the hell is racism? Well, it's as you said, it's, it's for some reason deciding that people who are not part of your um skin color group or nationality are for some reason inferior yeah half right we're going to like cut the definition right down to what we can really call pure racism and that is 
we've decided that people are different based on their physical appearance. Yeah. That's not the same as their nationality, like you said. It's that's a higher level. That's more like identity level. Yeah, uh, sure, but they overlap. But sure, I, I understand your mm-hmm. point. Of course, you're right. So we're we're gonna try and hold that because we're gonna try and I don't know, put or try and separate out this social goo that is racism and ethnic prejudice and things like that. And we're gonna see if we can understand what it actually is because uh especially if you don't experience it it's still important you try to understand it because this is a pervasive social disease that that affects us it doesn't matter if you're white or black or whatever the fact that it exists negatively affects you so it's very important that you actually know what the problem is yeah so racism is belief that people are different based on their physical appearance now, that's obviously not not all that it is. What happens when we get this idea? What is the, the logical result of we've decided that people are different based on their appearance? What happens next? Um, I mean, a lot of things. <laughs> well, first of uh, all, do we uh, put them in order? Maybe we decide one is more desirable than yeah, the other? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. If the natural instinct is to take these differences, say we accept them as real. And we're like, okay, now we're going to classify them according to desirability, according to what is superior and what is inferior. It's sort of like if we all uh, have our favorite ice creams, we're all going to decide what's not our favorite. So the moment you've, you've created differences, it's only natural you begin to rank those differences. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. But mm-hmm. the point is, these differences are entirely artificial. Do you know how racism was made? How it is made. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you mean? Well, we're going to have a, a, if we're still around, we're going to have an episode of this in the future. Is that racism was invented. And this sounds incredibly weird. There was most of human history where racism didn't exist. Racism was invented by Europeans as a way to justify the slave trade. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of. That's weird to me, actually. But if you think about it, it's one of the newest prejudices that we have. Look at misogyny. Look how far back in history the hatred of women goes. Right back to the building of cities. Back to the formation of society. The, the patriarchy came with civil, you know, city societies. Yeah. Racism came with colonialism. With Europeans looking for a moral justification for slavery. So it, people seem to think that racism is uh, something that's always been with us. It's vehemently not. It's something we literally came up with by ourselves. Yeah. Why, why do you think uh, this was... Cho- why do you think people chose skin color as as the motivation behind it? Why, why not something else? Why not hair color? <laughs> well, I guess because it's very simple and obvious and, uh, you know... Um, mm-hmm. Uncomplicated, uh, but also, I mean, isn't it also purely because they were interested in in the the places that that the people living there had that's you know darker mm-hmm. skin. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's easy for dummies to understand. They look different. Look, they're black. Oh. 
And all of them kind of can nod in agreement, say, yes, they are black. We can see that with our eyes. And there's, yeah. there's not enough, uh, not a lot of mental, you know, acuity that needs to occur for you to see that. Yeah. It's so you can really drive home. See, that's why they're different. So you don't need to, an, an uneducated person has an immediate intuitive grasp of difference. And so it's a very easy tool for you to convince a lot of people. Secondly, it's convenient in that it links up with the colonial economic interests where it's like these people are not as developed as we are. We can easily take them as slaves. And so we just want the excuse to do so. Mm -hmm. So it's like simple to get the idea across and also conveniently links up with what you want to do to fill your pockets with money. And that kind of came together that skin color became the idea of race. Even though it's totally arbitrary, you could say like eye shape, ear shape, hair color, whatever. It could be anything yeah, or nothing. Yeah. And before we go, we, we, we get really into this. I want to like really highlight something. I don't think it's highlighted enough. How dumb is that idea that the quality of someone's humanity is based on how much melanin they've got in their skin? How goddamn stupid is that? Uh, so stupid that I really want to swear, but then you'll get mad at me. Uh, I mean, yeah, really extremely ridiculously dumb. I don't think this is brought up enough in anti-racist um, discourse where it's like, the belief that this is true is absurd. If you promote this, you're not only hateful, but you're as dumb as a rock. You yeah, should be absolutely, you know, should be such a, a massive level of shame attached to holding such obviously false beliefs. It's not about being progressive in mind. It's not about being, oh, we should immediately look past, like, they almost make it out as if it's a good excuse to hate people, where it's like you have to be exceptionally open-minded to see past skin color. No, you bloody don't. It's just skin color. Yeah, but you know, that's interesting because uh, now that I think about it, I think the most prevalent case of racism in Sweden isn't against people of, um, you know, people with darker skin. Of course, that's, that's a thing. I'm not denying it. But the, 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 the case that I hear the most discourse about is cases of racism against Middle Eastern people. Uh, we're going to have a talk about that. Is it, for example, like a Middle Eastern, is it because they're Middle Eastern or is it because they're Muslim? Yeah, I like, I don't think they themselves know, not these people mm -hmm. who are very hateful. Uh, they like to cite cultural differences and things like that, but that, that's so deaf because they are incredibly, you know, this attitude doesn't change whether there is a, a person who's newly come to Sweden as someone who has lived here for several generations. Mm -hmm. So clearly that has nothing to do with it. And um, it's really sad. <laughs> right. So racism is a belief that people are different based on physical appearance. We then class these people as on a rank of superior to inferior, which then triggers people to uh, either discriminate positively or negatively based on the color of your skin. So the white people in colonial times got treated exceptionally better and the black people got treated like trash. Treating, you have to also remember that treating white people better is also racism. It's just positive racism. Yeah. 
And so we're going to dis dissect what racism is actually made of because we've sort of teased out that racism is hard to define and it bleeds over really easily to other things. Yeah. Mm. So I've, I've got a few suggestions for you about some of the ingredients you know, I put in the soup and the resultant soup is racist flavored. All right. I'm going to tell you a few of them and we'll see if you think that's right or not with me. All right. I think so. Sweet. All right. We got nativism. Ever heard of nativism? Uh, don't think so. Fairly simple concept. It's the idea that uh, you're going to favor the people that came from the same place that you are. It's related to the word native. So, for example, imagine I was uh, promoting the, the, the interests of Northern Irish people above the interests of anyone else. Like, I'm like America first type thing. Yeah. I'm saying the people who were born in my society are the most important and I will act in their interests over the interests of anyone who was not born in that society. Yeah. Do you uh, know of any cases of nativism in Sweden? Uh, the Sweden Democrats, once uh -huh. again. Um, a lot of these modern far-right groups have a very big nativist element. It's one of yeah. their biggest features. But honestly, well, I immediately think of Hungary uh, when you mm -hmm. say this to me. They are it. very nationalistic. Yeah, they kind of use their, their non-Indo-European identity in Europe as a sort of a nativist tool to like band the right wing together, say, you know, we are different than the rest of Europe. And yeah, but it, it doesn't really have to be right wing either. That's the weird thing. It's such a... Sure. Uh, culturally prevalent thing over there. I, I never understood it. Never once in my life. Like, uh, it's super weird to me. Well, it is right wing, even if it has bled into all oh, features. Oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Of course. I'm just, yeah. You're right about that. For sure. Mm -hmm. So nativism, I would say it's one of the most important part. I would say you would struggle to have racism without a wee bit of nativism in there. Yeah. Number two, xenophobia. This is an obvious one. You know any xenophobia? Yeah, it's, you know, the the fear of the other, you know? Mm -hmm. Fear of, specifically the fear of aliens. Xeno means aliens, people that are alien to you. Uh, I've been playing the the, the Mass Effect uh, remaster and the, the strange institution of Cerberus, which is literally xenophobic and human nativist. So I've actually been thinking about that, uh, you know, the fear of things you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> and... In a weird way, because we're such a connected world these days, we almost have to exaggerate how little we understand of people. We almost have to block ourselves off because the information about them is always coming. We almost have to be willfully ignorant to be xenophobic these days. Yeah, of course. All right, number three, making the other. Do you know what that's about? What do you mean making the other? Uh, the verb is othering. So we... We mentioned it during our uh, episode on fascism and we talked about selecting an enemy and defining them as by definition different than us. Mm -hmm. They are, there is something that cannot be bridged between them and us and such they're a threat. Mm. So for example, and in our fascism episode, I referenced this between like the, the far right militias and their, their chosen other were Muslims. Yeah. And it was like, they believed that Islam was going to overthrow the governments of Europe and install Islamic republics. 
and or things like that. And like that was their other. That was the thing they've chosen to define themselves against. Yeah. I think this is maybe the most important feature of racism. You've taken someone with a different skin color than you and you've defined them as innately different than you. Yeah. Do you agree that's an important part of racism? Of course, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, the next one is a more advanced sort of feature of it where I think it occurs in societies that have institutional racism. And this is segregation. You need to, the literal separation of racial groups in a society, like apartheid South Africa or, you know, the Jim Crow pre, you know, pre-civil rights era in America, mm-hmm. where you literally had like drinking fountains for black guys and different ones for white people mm-hmm. and things like that. But you have to have a certain amount of installed racial power in government to make that happen. What do you think? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For example, even if it takes somewhere like, a, you know, say you've got your Sweden Democrats who don't like people from the Middle East or whatever, it would be a very big stretch to say that there was any segregation in Sweden as this, people like the Sweden Democrats don't hold the political power to literally separate them from white people. Yeah, no, they they don't. They're, they're for sure trying to, but they are not there yet. We've got an example of this, for example, the current Israel-Palestine conflict where literally Gaza is an open-air prison. They built a wall around it and don't let anyone in or out. Specifically, segregation by force in this case. Yeah, I will say, though, that that um, Sweden do, does have a tendency to to, to, to put um, uh, you know foreign families into the same areas. Mm-hmm. So that that they do create a, a segregation on a lesser scale, but still That's relevant. actually a, a symptom of multiculturalism. It's called ghettoization, where yeah, they, yeah. they put all the ethnic groups in different neighborhoods. That's actually a feature of the liberal, that's a liberal idea. That's a whole different, uh, you know, it's a whole different kettle of fish where it's an anti-integration idea. Yeah, I I hate that so much. I can't even begin to describe how much I I hate that. It's so ugh. That I really good. can't stand it when they are like, "Ooh, ooh, come to us. We will get, take good care of you." Just joking. We'll put you into ghettos and don't give you any social security programs, so that you will fall into, uh, you know, criminal activity, and then people will think that it's because. People from this place are inherently more. It's so. It's you know. It's really absolutely setting the stage for, uh, for not good things to happen. <laughs> Interestingly, that's it's because they want them for cheap labor, and that's really it. Uh, yeah, I know, but it, it's like it's it's so. But yeah, that's not good for anyone. That just quite simply not good for anyone. But that's how multiculturalism works. That's going to be an, an episode on its own. The fact that a lot of, especially people on the left, think multiculturalism is wonderful. It's actually a pretty awful idea. And that's what it does to people. Yeah, I mean, it would be so much better if they would actually, you know, mix it all together. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, integra- that's cultural integration. Yeah, I know. And... <laughs> Yeah, I have a lot of opinions about this. That's a whole different thing. We're going to do an episode That's about that. That's a whole different thing, for sure. <sighs> All right, moving on for segregation. We've got one that is common. Uh, we mentioned it briefly earlier. Hierarchical ranking. 
Mm-hmm. saying one is superior and inferior to the other because reasons we've just said i don't know we like white skin better even though if you're a if you're a utilitarian and you're looking for the most useful skin color well white skin burns easier yeah so in a weird way in that case it's actually superior to have less sun averse flesh uh, yeah yeah which i can speak to personally where i lost my cap a few days ago and uh i my scalp is becoming a you know like a burger put on the bottom of a skillet it's like starting oh, i to know roast. i i get sunburned very easily and it's like horrible sunburn when my skin is flaking off in large chunks of leather Th- thank you thank you thank you <laughs> our last one is supremacism now supremacism is effectively the race that comes out on top of this hierarchy yeah so actually if you look into the history of it the the racist scientists uh actually had a ranking of all the race blacks were way at the bottom but there was a whole ranking of them of relatively inferior to relatively superior Mm -hmm. and well of course the whites came out on top and they were supreme they were the supremacists and of course in modern day we call this white supremacy yeah do you think that's a problem do i (laughs) yes clearly well i think uh, I think it's a, it, if anything, it's a severe mental illness. <laughs> White supremacy, I think, is the most active force in the modern far right. All those like, you know, American militias who literally want to start up their own little white only states inside America. Yeah, and I'm, I'm serious. I, I really do consider it to be a mental illness. It's just... Now, we're going to talk about an organization that... Oh, I hate it. The UN, the United Nations, effectively the most pointless virtue signaling waste of time you ever heard of. And (laughs) it says a lot of stuff. It points a lot of fingers. Then when it's like, put up or shut up, where is it? And Mm. so, of course, they had to get their oar in and tell us what they think racism is. And they said, in their definition that they work off of and everyone else copies, is that there is no difference between ethnic and racial differences. What do you think? Um, all right. Do you agree there, that there's no difference? Um, when I was a bit, when I had things called, when I had Protestants calling me Athenian or whatever, because I was from a Catholic town, even though I'm not Catholic, by the way, Athenian is a, a slur for an Irish Catholic. And yeah. was that racism? <sighs> Well, this this is the question that you asked for the beginning. Yeah. I don't think I'm qualified. On, I mean, it's it's a it, this is just semantics. You're uh, qualified as anyone because the UN says in their definition there is no difference. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's just semantics. I I can decide to put any definition on the world I want, mm-hmm. and if I use that consistently, that that's what it means to me. But you're free. I I mean, well, I don't think that is just semantics. For all right. It, because it's not because of my skin color that I am being called Athenian. Yeah, no, no, of course not. It's because of my cultural background. So, for example, you can go to someone who gets racist treatment because they're black. They could be Muslim, Catholic, Protestant, native religion, other. They, yeah, they, but I mean, it is semantics if the definition of racism doesn't include a difference of skin color. Yeah. Uh, 
But the point so. is, sometimes it can actually cause a difference in policy making where they just consider these things as, as the same and they require different policy responses. Mm. So, literally, it's a different problem that people are being downed on because of their skin color as opposed to being downed on because of ethnic differences. It's, it's literally a different problem that needs a different solution. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, but the point is, it's like, if you tar them the same, it's, you could say they're related, and I would agree. To say they're the same? I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it's a bit of a lazy definition, in my own honesty. Mm. I, I'm, we're not going to resolve the problem or anything. I just, I, I think it's inadequate. What do you think? Uh, no, yeah, inadequate, yeah, I would agree that it's inadequate, yeah. What I do agree with is their second statement on racism. The Convention on Racial Discrimination says that racial di- racial differentiation is literally incorrect. It's just wrong. Mm-hmm. Just un- irrational. There's, it's not supported by any facts or any reason. It's literally just wrong. Yeah, I know, I know. People, yeah, uh, <laughs> people a- who claim that there are different races of human beings clearly don't, don't understand yeah. how that works. Yeah, it's just imaginary. That's it. It's like Yeah, religion. you know how it's... many times I have seen people argue that, but look at them. They look different. Clearly, they are not the same kind of human. <laughs> it's just so stupid. I mean, there are breeds of dogs out there. They're the same breed. We can have two very different colors. So what do you say about that? All right, we'll be back in one moment after a break to discuss the rest of uh, the UN Convention on Racial Discrimination. Hold on one second. I'll be back right with you. Thanks for listening to the Freeze Peach podcast. Check in every Saturday for a brand new episode. If you like the podcast, please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really helps us in the rankings. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, click the bell icon to receive full notifications when new episodes are released and, of course, like the video. Please consider sponsoring us on Patreon. Due to not being based in the USA, our channel is unfortunately not eligible for advertising revenue on the Anchor Network. A small monthly donation will help us cover our costs. Just visit patreon.com slash thefreespeechpodcast. Your contribution is greatly appreciated. And remember to catch us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Two Peaches, on Facebook at facebook.com/thefrozenpeaches, and on Instagram at instagram.com/thefreezepeachpodcast. And back to the show. The person who said that if you have black skin, you're inferior, clearly had never talked to a black person before. Not. The UN Convention on Racial Discrimination gives a definition for racism that I disagree with, that it's the same as ethnic prejudice and ethnic conflict and things like that. I think that's wrong, but I do agree that uh, racial differentiation, differentiation, that's a really hard word to say, is utter, total nonsense. We're all agreed there? Yep. They also say that it's morally condemnable. That's that's a fantastic phrase, morally condemnable. Damnable. What mm-hmm. do you think? Yeah. I have a, a slight issue with this because that assumes a philosophical understanding of morality. What, what is morality? What is good or bad? I really hate whenever policy people in general say things for moral reasons. According to whose morals? 
The slave owners thought they were moral people. The Bible supports freaking slavery. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I hate that thing when it's it. It's just a gripe I have using the language of morality. Morality according to whom? So I don't know. I think it's it's condemnable in the society and the values of the society that liberals and left-wingers have. But is racism morally condemnable in the right-wing mind? Yeah, I know you are inspiring a lot of philosophical uh, flashbacks to me here when I studied meta, meta, meta ethics. And that discussion goes way, 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 way deeper than you will think. So uh, according to some people, you can say that it is in fact a universal truth about the world that it is morally condemnable. I agree there is a universal truth about the world. However, the, the fact of the matter is, no, no, basically that there is, nobody agrees. <laughs> n- yeah, but that's the point. There, there are people who claim that there is a universal moral. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really funny because the UN is like meant to speak for everybody. It's meant to speak for the world. And it clearly doesn't speak for right wingers at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. But they are just making a philosophical uh, a philosophical assumption. Mm. I mean, that's people do that all the time. All the scientists are making a philosophical assumption. Uh, lawmakers make philosophical assumptions that just, you know, commonplace. Yeah. Well, I agree. According to my morality and the morality of most people on the left, it is morally condemnable. I just don't like it in general whenever politicians or policymakers use the language of morality because it assumes a lot. Yeah, I know. It, it does. So, I agree to that regard. It, you know, if, if you're a racist, you're disgusting. Sort yourself yeah, out. Yeah, but, I, but uh, I do think, I, I don't know if I do agree because I do think that there is something... <sighs> if there's any kind of morality we should claim is factual, it, it's that, I mean... We have cases where even, like, you know, birds and infants mm. have a sense of justice. So, yeah. my, my gripe is that these people claim to speak for everybody. And that's the thing for, I think there's an absolute morality. I think I'm bloody correct in that. Yeah, they don't uh, speak for right wingers, but should anyone speak for right wingers, really? No, I'm just saying they claim to speak. I don't think they should, but they claim to. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I think I. Get it's belaboring just a little annoyance I had. Like, let's stop. Yeah. Uh, right. So, we agree from our perspective and from most people's perspectives, being racist pretty terrible. Yeah. Now, here's a much more uh, concrete one. They say it's socially unjust. I prefer this one because injustice implies inequality, and that's provable and unambiguous. Mm-hmm. You don't have to resort to morality at all to say that. Racial discrimination and racism causes the people of the, you know, the, you know, the the inferior race to be treated worse than the people of the superior one. Yep. For sure. Definitely socially unjust. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, of course. It's, uh, yeah. (laughs) Do you have an issue in Sweden? For example, is there a, are black people paid less in Sweden or... Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, uh, I mean, no, I don't have any data on that. In the, I mean, do you mean like in the same job as white people? Or? Yeah, like, is there like a, you know, why, uh, like there's a glass ceiling for women where women can't get the same pay or the same opportunities in the same positions as men? Yeah, because I, I think that um, foreigners have generally um, lower paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I don't know of the differences in the same job mm-hmm. between that. I, I actually don't know. I, I know that men earn more than women still. That I know for a fact. Sure, I, that's fine. Yeah. No, the last one is it's dangerous. That's all they say. It's dangerous. What do you think? Of course, it why, is dangerous. Why is it dangerous? I mean, we have we have seen countless examples over and over again of acts of terrorism and acts of violence and uh, every, every imaginable heinous act because... And they get as extreme as slavery and the Holocaust. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. That's, that's my point. Like, that's something we see now, but there have been wars about it. Like, it's... So the fact of the matter is, racism leads to people dying. Yeah. And sometimes in grotesque large numbers. Yep. Systematic, uh, yeah, mass murder. It's incredible what you can do when you decide someone isn't as human as you. Just the amount of, just whatever clicks in your mind, all of a sudden it's now okay to do all sorts of dark fantasy s*** to people. Yeah, it's... (sighs) But what you see, it boggles the mind when you think of it that way. How how could people have believed this nonsense? It's the more you think about it, the more absurd it seems. But like most absurd things that you think should never exist, they're prolific and everywhere. And no more are they more prolific than the United States of America. Yay! Every time I talk about them, I swear my bald patch grows a little more. So yeah, yeah. We're going to explore a couple of racial facts about America. A totally non-exhaustive list of ways that America is a terrible racist hellhole. So, are you ready? Yep. Statistics of racial discrimination in the United States of America. Number one, in New York City. 88% of police stops in 2018 were black or Latinx. Only 10% of them were white. 70% of all of them were entirely innocent. Thoughts? No surprises there. <laughs> There's something specific about a police and racism in America. Where there the po- is something specific about that for sure. The police just look at black people and like, oh, I'm going to cuff that guy. They just, they just can't hold back. They're just like, were drawn in by a strange racist force that's just like, I'm going to shoot this guy for no reason. Yeah, it's weird. They're all- it really is. Like, it's a super, what is the, the system behind it that, that uh, allows these things to happen time and time and time and time and time and time ad infinitum again and again. They're all bloody mental. They really are. Uh, yeah. They are. Next one. 15.8% of US students report racial bullying, often resulting in mental health issues. Yeah. It's like, it's hard enough being in high school. I got bullied ferociously, but like, imagine having that extra dimension on it. Imagine if you're black as well and just get 15% more hate heaped on you. Yeah, it's disgusting it is but who needs that why why would you have to live through that you're just a you're just a kid get off their yeah. back there's just no excuse for that nonsense sending your kid in for example just just to have them get racially abused and then there's more chance of them having suicidal thoughts and everything like really why why would anyone want to go through that yeah i don't know do you think there's a 
I wonder how, I don't know how much the youth in America tend to be racist, but I actually thought that number would be higher, 15.8%. I thought it would be worse. Yeah, I don't, I like, I don't even think, I mean, kids learn from their surroundings, right? Mm -hmm. It's just as simple as that. And kids are also very eager to enforce, like, um, you know, like um, hierarchies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, a natural by-effect of that is to, you know, uh, kick downwards. Yep, they they punch down, for sure. And, uh, well, they just basically emulate what they have seen. They Mm -hmm. they are correctly identified that that people of another skin color are an easy target because of the the system in place in society and they jump on the opportunity to reinforce their place in this stupid hierarchy. God, I don't miss being a kid. (laughs) White people tend to receive better medical care. 40% of black people report receiving poor medical care. 40% of Native Americans report poor medical care and 34% of Hispanics report per medical care. Yeah, I mean, do, do, does anyone really receive good medical care in And the way America? it reminds me of, yes, of course, you're absolutely right, but that's a different discussion. I uh, know. But compared to the normal white person, 40%, 40, 40, 40, and 34 of these, you know, people surveyed, these ethnic groups report worse medical care than their white counterparts. Um, this reminds me of you saying, you know, last week's episode, your doctor is less likely to take you seriously because you're a woman. In mm-hmm. America, your doctor is less likely to take you seriously because you're black, Native American or Hispanic. Yeah, imagine being uh, all that and a woman. Gosh, that's like a death sentence right away. Yeah, um, the amazing, see there's some America there's some black women with three jobs and God, you wonder how, how they survive in that horrible country. Yeah, for sure. Now, black women are three to four times more likely to experience a pregnancy-related death. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. This is a bit strange where it just seems that doctors and nurses tend to just more likely to ignore the needs of a black patient. and more likely to assume that if a black woman is talking to the medical professional saying they need X, Y, or Z, they're most likely to shrug them off. And then mistakes are made and they die. Uh, Jolly fun. Wow, I love hearing about this. Really reinforces my trust and love in humanity. Well, go on. I think this is very sinister because an awful lot of this is probably not on purpose. It's it's subconscious and it's like... Yeah, and it doesn't matter because it's a system in place that allows these things to happen. But three to four times more likely. That's a lot. That's... That's beyond unacceptable. I just imagine if it's hard enough having a child, it's hard enough feeling that exposed, it's hard enough thinking there's two lives on the line, not just one. Never mind that you're going to be at more risk because tidy whitey doctor is more likely to snub his nose at you. Yeah. Some world we live in. Bloody gross. It is. Black Americans are more likely to be arrested and to receive longer sentences for exactly the same crimes. Yeah. That is blatant injustice. If you do a crime, you should get the prescribed punishment. You shouldn't get less or more than anyone else for exactly the same crime. 
America is absolutely full of this. For example, rich people get away with crimes that poor people will be locked up for. Black people don't get shot for simply saying the wrong things to policemen, while white people can really push the boundaries before they get a slap on the wrist. I know. (laughs) Uh, It's absolutely disgusting. This last one follows on from this one. There is no racial difference in drug use, yet black people are six times more likely to be arrested and serve a longer sentence for it. Yeah. This is really interesting to me because it's part of something I mentioned in a previous episode, the war on drugs, which was made by, uh, what do you call him? I can't remember his name now. Well, the Watergate guy, Nixon, Richard Nixon. Uh, He was the one that started like the war on drugs initially. And he did it because he realized that the black population and ethnic minorities weren't voting for him. So he wanted to make sure as little of them could vote that they were disenfranchised as possible. So he criminalized their lifestyle. And the focus was weed. They like to smoke weed, he thought. So he made the police forces focus on them and arrest them while there was no focus on the white people who were also smoking weed. Yeah. So this is an overtly racist practice. This was created due to racism, simply because the Republican Party was like, well, blacks don't vote for us, so screw him. Yep. <laughs> yep, I know. This is part of the general Southern strategy that they had that I mentioned before. A legacy mm-hmm. that still exists uh, to this very day of uh, effectively institutional purposeful racism, which even though they've disavowed it in the modern day, it's worked so deeply into the system that it's like part of it now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's weird. It's like you can't get rid of it no matter what you do. <laughs> right. So there's different types of racism, did you know? Yeah, sure. We're going to go through a few of them and we'll see what you think of them. The first is aversive racism. Do you know what that is? Uh, not sure. I mean, all, isn't all kinds of racism aversive? In a sort of way, but uh, it just means that you express your racism by avoiding people of other races and not interacting with them. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is what I would call the most, say, the most likely common type of racism where you're not so overtly racist, you're going to start something with somebody. You're just going to keep away from them. Yeah. But this has a real world consequences simply because it causes inadvertent segregation in that, for example, if the white parents send their kids to certain schools and the black parents send their kids to certain schools, those communities shall never meet. Yep. So that's technically not segregation because no one told them. But it is aversive racism where if you go around pretending the other people don't exist, you start to live as if they don't exist. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of that before? Um, I'm not sure if I have, like, if I have seen it. It's something that I have noticed, uh, a common pattern, is that the places where there are the least amount of foreigners or, you know, people mm-hmm. who look different are the places where there are absolutely most vehemently racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is definitely a pattern that I have noticed. And I don't think it's because they have fled so long to avoid them because these people have probably never met a no. n- non-white person. It's You know when just- we mentioned multiculturalism before, we mentioned ghettoization. Mm-hmm. I actually think this is an institutionalized form of aversive racism. You're literally putting different 
cultural groups and ethnic groups in different neighborhoods so they don't have to look at each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing I noticed that if, if the people who have never met, uh, uh, you know, we have places in Sweden where the vast majority of people live there are Swedes and they are the most racist. And they have never met a non-Sweden their entire life. They've just decided that they don't like them. Well, there, there <laughs> is in homogenous groups, there is a higher level of xenophobia because they're simply not used to people that are different to them. Yeah, but I think, shouldn't that, that doesn't that, that say something about the, the, the nature of racism? Whatever we have, for example, Stockholm, which is very mixed. And I live in a neighborhood where we have a lot of different ethnicities. Um, but that could encourage aversive racism. So, for example, if a, a black person moved into one of these uh, very white communities, the, the white community that's not used to them kind of might ignore them, kind of pretend they're not there. No, actually, what has happened is that people have protested against that. This has been a, a point of discussion. That, and that's not aversive racism. That's another type. I know. Uh, but what what I'm just trying to say is that doesn't that say something about the nature of racism where people who live in places where the, there are lots of mixed cultures, they're usually not racist, at least not even close to the same extent. Yeah, what that says is that uh, homogenous societies encourage xenophobia. Uh, yeah, but what it also says is that uh, is that the these ima- imagined uh, uh, shortcomings of um, you know non non white people mm-hmm. that some people imagine the other group has are non existent. Yeah, yeah. What it says is that we are all human, and that's the end of that discussion. But the point is that uh, they don't think it's normal because they simply don't see it often. That's really all there is to it unfamiliarity encourages suspicion. It's very common in human nature. It's also exceedingly stupid. That's oh yeah, why, of course that's it why is. I don't like humans. Like, wh- why am I even bothering trying to say well, humanity? Well, when you base your life on emotions, you're going to do dumb things. Right, <laughs> we, we need to get on to the next one. Colorblindness. That is pretending racism doesn't exist and claiming things like, oh, racism's in the past and we don't have it anymore. Yeah, that's stupid and uh, specifically a nefarious one. It's, but this is a common go-to topic for right-wingers. See on Fox News, colorblindness is the effective policy of this institution. It's mm-hmm. They talk really as if racism was something that Martin Luther King fixed. <laughs> That's the way they talk about it, is that MLK came along, did civil rights. That was that. Bing, bang, bong. <coughs> yeah, cute. They just have no idea of like a, they have no concept of the legacy of slavery, the, you know, the intergenerational prejudices, the inherited poverty. They've, they've no concept to any of that. Yeah, because they, they can't possibly imagine. Uh, it's, yeah. A couple of, a couple of days ago, uh, there was one state in America which tried to bring in a bill that effectively stops people teaching racism in schools. And if they do teach racism you're not allowed to blame anyone for it. And it's like, this is effectively trying to make colorblindness a part of the school curriculum. Oh boy. Um, these One of these bills isn't unique either. It's just encouraging, you know, sort of like, just don't talk about racism at all. Pretend it's not there. That's That really is policy, a policy version of colorblindness. <sighs> well, The next one, cultural. Racism has become part of the culture to be racist is to be part of that society. Yeah. 
that to me is, can you be a part of the deep South culture in the Bible Belt in America and not be racist? Uh, well, you can with a lot of hard work and genuine, genuine self-reflection. But then again, could you not rightly point out that you're not really a deep South person then? You don't really adhere to their culture because their oh, culture is well, yeah. so intertwined with the civil war and slavery it's yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah of course you're right so there are some places that racism is so in there that you can't get rid of racism without a full-on replacement of their culture yeah 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 no yeah you're absolutely right about that for sure i remember talking to uh, asking this question to somebody and i says do you think that if let's say for example hitler won the war right Mm-hmm. And evolution was allowed to happen. Could Nazi German culture ever be salvaged or evolve into a better way? <sighs> or is racism simply an irreplaceable part of it? And this was the discussion we had was just how much was the culture racist? If you took the racism, the whole culture collapsed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, um, and that's 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 a bit weird to me because one of the most defining traits of a culture is that it's constantly shifting and evolving. Mm-hmm. But for example, so, there's always a core that it stays roughly the same. Like in America, negative liberty and freedom is the the constant throughout the entire American project. Yeah, uh, sure, but America is a f- weird case. Uh, look at every other culture mm-hmm. on earth. What is their core? It has changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Germany today is very different from Germany in the Second World War. Oh boy, it is incredibly different. Yeah, so that's what that's what I mean. Like, uh, it's, it's this American Americans are exceptionally. Uh, sorry, I said it. Yes, they are. Um, but for every other culture, that, that I don't think that you can say that there's just this one defining thing that has been absolutely constant because it it has been shifting and evolving so much and it means it has been more or less present to throughout the ages the next one is economic racism less access to economic opportunity for the oppressed race uh yeah that's we can see this very much in america for example that uh that the black people in america are descended from slaves you know what black people don't have inherited wealth yeah what do white people have inherited wealth you, you can't, it's just incredibly different where you're literally poorer and have less opportunity if you're black because your distant ancestor was a slave. And to go back to colorblindness, they all like to pretend slavery is over. But it's simple fact is you're economically in more trouble if you're black. Yeah. You know, one, I, I have to touch on this thing because this is a thing that bothers me in the way that that uh, American liberals uh, go about uh, trying to, you know, uh, have a discussion around racism and treat racism. Uh, they are like very much, <laughs> I've seen this so much that they are trying to enforce their ways of thinking about this onto other countries. But they have to realize that the, the, the history of racism in in European countries and America is very different. We cannot we can't treat it the same way. The same methods that work in America wouldn't work here because it don't have the same history. Mm-hmm. Where black people are inherently a part of the American people, whereas in many European countries, I mean, it differs. Like France, for example, has its own unique case of colonialism. But in 
many countries, black people are just foreigners. They are, you know, they are not um, like historically a part of the country. Um, and you have to take that into consideration when you're talking about racism and how it affects, you know, the culture and all that. And it's super annoying to me when, when American liberals and just Americans overall assume that the rest of the world plays according to their rules. <laughs> the next it's one is super annoying. institutional racism. Racial discrimination being implicit in the policies and actions of institutions such as the government or large corporations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is uh, most obvious in America in their justice system. We're ignoring the, the cop monsters. Whenever you get past the cop monster, if you survived and you're in the justice system itself, you are much more likely to be sentenced and imprisoned for longer periods if you're, in an, if you're black or an ethnic minority. Um, their racism is built into how it functions. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean with the, the, the way we will have to treat racism in America. Uh, it's not universal, universally applicable. Not saying that racism isn't a universal problem because it is. I'm not claiming that it isn't. I'm just saying that I think institutional <laughs> the medicine is not... Yeah. Institutional racism is prevalent in nearly all white countries in the systems to lesser or greater degrees, but there is there there are detectable biases in favor of white people in all of them. Mm, yeah, I I should I agree with that for sure. So institutional racism is is one of the reasons why it's so hard to change the previous economic one because to change the the racism in those institutions you must change the institutions. Because racism is literally ingrained in how they work. If you pull out the circuit board of a computer, you need to replace the whole circuit board. Mm. So you would have to do some major rebuilding from the ground up of these institutions to rebuild them in a more equitable form. Yep. Uh, quickly on to the next one. Othering. Distinguishing the group is fundamentally different from yourself and hence deserving of different treatment. The other is different from the norm. Um, this is a type of overt racism. In that, for example, uh, if we imagine the Israeli government literally giving less rights to Palestinian people, they are literally less legally equal to the Jewish people. Mm. Um, so, you know, I mean, in that sort of a racist society, othering is official policy, but it's also just the attitude we discussed earlier. So we can just move on from that. Supremacism, the belief that the political system should treat races differently. For example, European colonialism. We discussed what supremacism was before. Our examples were apartheid and uh, Nazi Germany. Agreed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. More interestingly, symbolic racism. These are things that are harder to pin down. They're like stereotypes, overt racism, things like putting up statues of racists dog whistles on the news you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is all the the racial undercurrents that are you know give a certain plausible deniability to the people doing them this is effectively like fox news's speciality their entire thing is just one gigantic dog whistle you know what i mean yeah i know i know <laughs> i know well enough now the last one um is one that i think is the most common type of racism. And I think an awful lot of people who hate racism are guilty of it. Subconscious mm -hmm. racism, 
having racist, racist, racist beliefs and simply not realizing it. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, it's that that's the thing that people have to realize that it's something that's so like it's the same thing that when we talked about sexism last week. It's if it's something that's so ingrained in our culture, we are all guilty of it one way or another. And uh, you know, it takes work to to realize that and to to have that self insight into your behavior and then then to change it. But we all have to do that. So how do we fix all these problems? How do, how do we do away with racism? Well, meritocracy. Of course. Specifically the feature of equal opportunity. In order for people to have an equal start in life, they genuinely must be considered equal. The concept of people being born equal must be fully adopted in policy and in attitude. We must utterly eradicate arbitrary discrimination between people. We must really push the idea that someone who's inferior because they have a different skin color is dumb. And only dumb governments for dumb people do dumb things. It should be utterly eradicated as utter nonsense. There should be none of this multiculturalism or anything that like recognizes that there are racial differences and puts you in little boxes or whatever. This doesn't exist. This is fictional. This belief is wrong. Yeah. Uh, amen. And God, it just shows the uselessness of goddamn identity politics, where it's like all these groups band together and try and make their voices heard in the capitalist system. But all it does really is they get certain gains in the fact that they become consumer demographics. They sort of get together, develop their own culture. Think of the LGBT culture. Mm. and that means that capitalism can sell them things based on their culture. The idea that an LGBT or a black culture can form is a direct result of the fact you've put them together and don't let them subsume to the larger culture. Yeah. So it's not a good thing. It's what they've done to survive. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I want to reiterate this, that people have a, a general, like, uh, uh, you know bad reaction when we say that the smaller culture has to you know submit to the larger culture i don't believe that's some like i don't believe that's the right way to go about it i think that all cultures have a, a um well <laughs> cultures have to learn from each other mm-hmm. uh learn to see what works, what doesn't? What's the part of my culture that's good? What's the part of your culture that's good? What's the part of it that doesn't work? And can we, you know, take mm-hmm. the good ones and cut out the bad ones? And There should be contributions from all cultures to a greater culture. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's, that's just... Uh, but that's, that's not what identity politics delivers. It delivers atomized, separate, exploitable cultures. Yeah, I know, I know. But the way you framed it, uh, I think, would leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. I'm just wanting to make this clear that, you know, all cultures are not created equal. I don't believe that. And all That's called are, cultural relativism. And all cultures are, to- are always, you know, in flux and in change. Mm. And... If we can direct this to just trying, let's see if we can create the the best culture out Mm -hmm. of all of the best parts of all the other cultures. 
So if uh, you're an ethnic minority, meritocracy is uh, what you want to throw your, your, your passion behind because it's the only system that's going to deliver the justice that has been denied to you for the good of us all in the end. Because at the end, the master race, whatever you call it, suffers as a result of its enslavement of the lesser races. This, the slave master debases himself in the act of having slaves. Yeah, yeah, I... That's... Uh, message straight from Hegel. Indeed. So, uh, yep, so that was a hard topic because uh, I didn't really have any personal stories or anything. We're not racial minorities. It was a bit academic, um, but I didn't really want to to try and represent the sense of feeling that exists in discriminated against racial communities if I really don't understand what they're like. So thanks for bearing with us anyways. Hope you got something from it. So uh, if you want to listen to what's bad mouth things we find on the internet, stick with us after the break and we'll be right back. Internet is a terrible place and it is filled with terrible people. And my God, Christina, have we got some terrible people for you today? Is your blood pressure ready for it? No. Let's get it on with. There is a so-called employment crisis in the US with many outlets complaining that nobody's coming to work as businesses open up after the COVID-19 pandemic. The businesses suffering these shortages tend to be those paying under the $15 minimum wage. <laughs> Many have put up messages on their doors saying they are closed because nobody's coming to work. I mean, if they pay less than the minimum wage, then good. It's not really the minimum wage. It's what was proposed to be the minimum wage until the Republicans shot it down. Yeah. It's what's considered to be the minimum living wage that Americans need to, like, just exist in American society. Mm. Like, that's the minimum amount of money to pay their bills without needing state aid whilst working. Mm. But some of them are paying $7 an hour. Like, that's only, like, what, £5. Good Lord, that's, that's insane. If you went to someone here and said you want to work for five pounds an hour, they'd raise their eyebrows so high at you, their head would cave in. Yep, indeed. And what's even more absurd is, they do things like, oh, the women haven't returned to work because when they've gone to pay their childcare, the childcare prices, because their children are still home due to the pandemic, remember? Mm -hmm. So to have them in childcare the whole time that they would be in school, costs them more than they make at their jobs. Nice. So what what do you think of all that? Horrible. Just a good example of how America is not the best country in, on earth. Well, what sort of people do you think that present this type of system? What sort of mind do you need to go on to something like Fox News and advocate 
for lazy Americans not coming to their work, not working for, for what's given to them. I've always said if you're a right winger, you either must be evil or stupid, and oftentimes both. It's a, there was one guy that went on Fox News a couple of days ago and like, oh, we got the finger out. And he was like, you lazy, lazy American women. You just don't want to work. And the patronizing nature of it is infuriating. And whenever the, the news anchor is like, well, they're saying they don't want to because they're not paying them enough. Well, why can't you raise the wages? They're like, that's not how the market works. Yeehaw. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the market is like, it's like a religion by this point. It's, but they're going with this logic. It's like, we'll eventually reach the paying nobody anything. Work all of the hours, get none of the money. Yep. It's innately unstable. Next up, Texas Republicans have created state level legislation to create a nine member propaganda committee who advises the governor about the content to be taught in Texan history classes. They wish the history of Texas to be taught in a patriotic fashion, highlighting its praiseworthiness. It's called the 1836 Project. It overlooks things like Texas was a slave state, including how during the decades before the Civil War, the number of slaves went from 5,000 up to 18 up to 182,000 slaves. It downplays other undesirable things like the Texas history of segregation in order to encourage students to feel proud of Texas. <sighs> what do you think of that? Yeah, I find that so weird. I never understood this thing about feeling proud of where you came from. And I, I why, why can't we feel pr pride over who we are and where we're going? Well, the idea of nationalism is itself fictional, but this is what strikes me more is this is effectively trying to teach colorblindness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's uh, stupid. I, I like. Ugh. It's always I mean it's, it's very childish thinking about uh, a society which has had historic wrongs, right? And mm -hmm. it's like, shall we fix them or shall we stick our hands in our ears and go la 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 and pretend it never happened? Yeah, that's so ridiculous. And uh, that kind of thing will come back sooner or later and bat you in the ass. That just Can you imagine these kids like leaving school and going to university or whatever to all the with all the people who were educated in real history and they're like totally ignorant of it? Uh <laughs> they will probably deny it, you know. Uh it's um a really bad idea. <laughs> Interesting thing is, was Texas, are Texas not meant to love their freedom? Uh, what, what's with this uh, propaganda committee that's now going to use the government to dictate what people are allowed to learn? Is, is it what, what freedom is that? Yeah, I know. But uh, isn't that typical American fanfare, you know? Uh, freedom, who, yeah, but let's burn these books that we don't agree with. It's just incredible where Texas makes the idea that it's the freest state their bloody branding. That's mm. their entire shtick. It's not even just a little bit. It's their mean thing. That's the idea which they wish to define themselves. Mm -hmm. 
And here they By are just censoring like censoring history. Yeah. Like talk, talk about actively stupefying your population. It's like in a meritocracy, you want to educate your population up to the nth degree. You want to literally educate them to they can't be educated no more. While Texas is like, damn that education getting away, a good patriotic mission. Yeehaw. <laughs> What's a, Texas is like the capital of stupid. Would mm-hmm. the world be not better if there was no Texas? Why can't we just leave Texas to the desert or to return it to Mexico? Would the world not be better if they were no America? Hmm. Well, the America has good ideas in it that was influenced by the Enlightenment. Too bad they ignored them. And it's like, you know, some of them in the Declaration of Independence or in the Constitution, you know, things like people were created equal for life, liberty, pursuit of happiness and all that jargon. You know, all the stuff that they like to talk about but never do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't bother me even in the slightest. Uh, but Texas is just like screwed it we are freedom by being authoritarians because uh, yeah that's like a right wing I mean yeah that's there should be a podcast just devoted to endless examples of right wing logic Uh, what logic Uh, anti-logic how do you come to these conclusions we love freedom we love all that stuff we're going to lie to our students by changing the law to make teachers change what they teach in order for them to have false beliefs about Texas. That doesn't yeah. make Texas good. Yeah, it's it's staggering amount of, of uh, living in denial because, you know, deep down they, they know that this is wrong and they, that's why they try to deny it or justify it. And this is just another example of that. And... Uh, it's so just a lack of of self insight and just general introspection is quite like almost impressive, really. What should we tell Texas to do to change their ways? How, how could Texas turn it around? <laughs> I mean, don't be right wing. Yeah, but in this particular issue, why can why can they not teach the reality of what slavery was? Right. And then why can they not simply teach? That was a wrong belief. And guess what? Texas is better now. We don't believe in that at all. Mm. We have become a better society. And that's why we're awesome. If you want to believe you're awesome, do awesome things and no one will disagree with you. Yeah, but that's the the issue with conservatism, isn't it? It's all about the glory of the past. And if you you realize that the past wasn't glorious and you can't justify that position anymore. In my so, opinion, Texas is the capital of conservatism all around the world. It's the most conservative place in the world, in my opinion, that isn't like an Islamic state. It's like, but it's close to it. Uh, it's like, especially even in America, it is definitely, it's the heart of conservatism. If Los Angeles is the heart of liberalism, Texas is the heart of conservatism. And it's incredible. It's just... We love the past and they look back at the past and it's innately terrible. It's like, why? And it's like, why are you denying yourself the ability to be better? This seems absolutely absurd to me. See, if I do something crappy, I can do it better next time. You know I what know, that gets it's... me? That gets me bragging rights. Yeah, no, but that, I mean, yeah, the, the talk about hitting the nail on the head when it comes to conservatism, I really don't get it. 
at all. It's so just what's the point of being stuck in the past like troglodyte? Just ugh. I was watching lots of people respond to this news story, you know, various, you know, liberal and conservative out or not conservative, progressive outlets. They're all kind of saying similar things, but in different ways. And there's so far, no one has figured out a way that will actually convince conservatives to stop being like this. So far, no one has found a way to talk to them. Yeah, because they all have collective brain damage. The interesting thing is the conservatives that end up flipping and becoming liberal or even sometimes properly left-wing, when you actually analyze their individual personalities, they were usually just curious people who were heavily brainwashed. Mm -hmm. They were never normal in the conservative sense. They were never the average conservative. They always had some sort of rebellious tendency. And the only way they were conservatives was because they were kept in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And the moment they got out of the bubble, they changed their ways. But most of them can access the bubble outside Fox News. They can access. And when they look at it, they're just like, fake news. Yeah, don't believe any of that. I'm right, you're wrong. Past is awesome. Christianity's awesome. You're not going to change your mind ever. How can yeah, you know, talk that, to that? How the, can you change that? I truly don't know. Uh, like, talk about it. See, this is why I'm, I'm just constantly shifting between, oh, I want to save the world, but on the second thought... I also want to see the world burn and I shift between these two uh, states of mind constantly because humanity is horrible and I want to get out of here. One of the only things I can think of personally is um, you just got to get right-wingers out of power. If you can't reason with them, you have to remove them. Can you imagine what, can you imagine a world in which conservatives were simply misinformed? And if you got them to sit down and listen to you, they would consider a rational argument. I what know. A different Wouldn't world that, that would be. be great? Wow, I have tried that with people around me so many times. But uh, these people have to be forced to be free. There's no other way around it. They have to be coerced into yeah, a better um, way because they will dig their heels in. And if they'll start a civil war to stop you progressing society. Yeah, and this is just a, a, such a good example of why letting uh, feelings and emotion guide your judgment is so incredibly bad, <laughs> so incredibly destu- destructive. And I hate this notion that, oh, but not not feeling is so cold and harsh and uh, evil. And no, it's not. It's the other way around. Because letting this thing dictate, it's nothing but destructive. Because if you were a reasonable person, then you would know that. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, <laughs> this just makes me so upset. <laughs> it's it's very very frustrating. I can feel the the veins pounding in my head when I talk too much about that. It's infinite, infinitely frustrating. It's just you deal with these stories day in day out. If we did a new show, I could literally bring something like this to you every single day mm-hmm. and that's just normality in the right-wing world that yeah. is their normality and you wonder why i don't read the news uh, most news outlets really don't report much into it i mean like if you were specifically monitoring their daily activities most of it's not newsworthy enough to reach the oh, it's the enough to make me lose my sanity 
<laughs> All right, we'll move on to our last story. American fast food outlet Chick-fil-A, which in my vernacular English I pronounce as chick fil is experiencing a sauce shortage due to general global supply chain shortages due to COVID-19. In, sauce shortage. Yep. Like, you know, we sachets of condiments. That mm. uh, I'm the one, see if I ever open them, it's guaranteed to slosh out all over my clothes. Doesn't <laughs> matter like how close I'm holding it to the food, it's going to somehow get down my back. But basically during the pandemic, there's not a great motivation to make certain types of things. They're prioritizing the basics. And so there's a shortage in Chick-fil-A. Um, so they've like got a policy of like restricting it to like one sachet per person, you know. Mm. Like it's nothing extreme. It's not like there's no condiments. They're just having to be a bit more careful. They're not throwing you about seven sachets that you're going to half use. You know what I mean? They're just mm. being a little more cautious about how fast they're going through the supply. Mm-hmm. That's all rational, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Now, in response, certified dumb. Texas Senator Ted Cruz, or sometimes called Cam Coon Cruz, tweeted, Joe Biden is destroying America. <laughs> One, what the hell does that have to do with Chick-fil-A sauce? And two, is this guy seriously not in a mental asylum? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Now, How it, can they even expect to be taken seriously at this point? It's amazing you hear these pro-capitalist conservatives and this guy comes like, I want to take him by the arms. Like, come on, Teddy, you need to take it. Sit down. Now, Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Chick-fil-A is a private company. <laughs> the president oh, of the United States doesn't decide. How much condiments Chick-fil-A supplies, you absolute troglodyte. That's fascinating, really. Wow. And, and this is one of the big bangers for capitalism. You know, he practically like gets the dollar and masturbates into George Washington's green face. Mm-hmm. And it's like, boy, he doesn't seem to understand that uh, Joe Biden isn't the owner of Chick-fil-A. It's almost cute. Oh my god. Of course, no. Uh, um uh and for a case of Ted Cruz, no, he's not a he's lying. He knows. He absolutely knows. He's one of these guys where he's actually quite smart in a certain way. He's cunning and he's playing to an audience. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to genuine moron. Also a congressperson. Congresswoman Lauren Bobert, who's often seen surrounded by many, many different guns responded to an article about the shortage of sauce saying is there no limit to how awful biden's america can get <laughs> oh my god it's so ridiculous oh lauren, my god it's, re- it's really the, the worst thing they can imagine lauren bobert is like remember marjorie taylor green yeah she's kind of like green except she's just not as good at being green She's like the Marjorie Taylor Greene sideshow. She wants to be as famous as her, but she's just, she just can't get the same level of total nut job. Like you have, like she just hasn't got to that level yet where, you know, 
Green is the queen of Ensean, and Bobert's like the court gesture. Jester. Yeah, but, but by the sounds of it, she's making a good effort. I am actually torn on whether Bobert is one of these ones, like Ted Cruz, who's lying, or she is an idiot. While I'm very convinced Cruz is lying on purpose, you, you could convince me that Bobert is genuinely, literally insane. Yeah, there are plenty of people who are genuinely, literally insane, so... Like, I think Green, Marjorie Taylor Green, is genuinely insane. I don't think she's lying. I really do think she is cuckoo. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, uh, I'm going to watch... Which one is worse? <laughs> At least the cuckoo is honest. Yeah. There's something to me, I like honesty sometimes. Like... I respect Donald Trump more than I respect Joe Biden simply because Donald Trump is so obviously being who he really is, a terrible yeah. abomination, and while Joe Biden is clearly retarded. pretending. Yeah, I understand uh, your point there, but yeah. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't respect any, any one of them. Respect sure. in relative terms. Yeah, I know, I understand. All right, well, that's all we've got for you today. If you liked what we were doing here, please uh, toddle on over to patreon.com forward slash the free speech podcast, where if you donate $1, $2, $5, $10, you can, in theory, get Christina a mountain of Chick-fil-A sauce sachets mm. so that people can question why she's destroying America. <laughs> That's the best way to support the Free Speech Podcast. We'll have the great sauce party where we'll like take TikToks of ourselves like bathing in like red sauce mocking Lauren Bobert on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, I'm Niall. This was Christina and this was the Free Speech Podcast. See you next week. Bye.